Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor here and I'm joined with Caden and Colin. Colin is Caden's uh, older brother and really had the, really happy to have you on the show. A musician, you know, someone I've actually known for a long time. You were in the cars a lot when I was a kid. And yeah. you know, I was, brought some like mocks down or like those little model cars and stuff. I, I was I always remember that and I always thought <laughs> that you were pretty cool. So, Caden, did you want to like formally introduce yeah. Colin to the show and to all of our so, listeners? Uh, this is my brother Colin uh, from Tennessee. Why don't you tell us a little bit? Actually, not from Tennessee, but lives in Tennessee now. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I am almost twenty-eight. Uh, I am in a band. Uh, I enjoy cars. I enjoy music. Uh, I screw around with instruments. I hang out with friends, and uh, I work for the, my local government because I'm a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for? Your for your local government, like you are you county worker or I I work for the county uh, for Knox County. Um, I work in the juvenile court system, um, specifically the child support system, and I am a courtroom clerk and a file clerk. How's that? Uh, it's it's fun. It's uh, it makes me feel better about myself instead of when I worked for law firms. Mm. <laughs> but uh, it I, I it's nice getting um, uh, children money that they deserve from. Parents, uh, usually it's not all bad. Sometimes it is, though, and you know you just kind of have to block yourself out of that and just know that you're doing the right thing. So, so it's a fulfilling job, you would say. Like you do yeah. a lot of good, in a sense. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and you said you're in a band. Did you want to give the band's name and how long you've been doing uh, that? Yeah, uh, my band's name is Good Vibes Only. We are a uh, kind of a post screamo uh, punk band. Um, out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we've been doing this for, gosh, seven, six, seven years now. Wow. Um, and uh, we're, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, um, you know, all the socials, except for Twitter, because Twitter's not Twitter anymore. So uh. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't think we know what it is. But, uh, that's awesome. So six, seven years. What, what instruments do you play and do you love? Um, I am the vocalist. I don't play an instrument because okay. I'm not musically talented. Um, the uh, I am an ideas man, and that's about it. I started it with my guitarist Levi mm. uh, about seven years ago when we were just a two piece, and I was playing drums at that at that point. And we've just added uh, some. We added uh, his brother, who's a classically jazz trained drummer, um, and my two friends from high school who are both bassists. So we have two bassists, and we've just keep doing it and uh we trying to write new music all the time but it just ends up we just end up playing shows and uh it's pretty much it um I, honestly my favorite instruments are drum and bass because uh the guitar and vocals move the soul yeah drum and bass moves the hips mm. so what was okay. like one of the the main things that really got you into like you want to produce music you want to make music what was like one of those you know founding ideas oh gosh uh, I went to a local show at a this punk house back in 2014 mm -hmm. or so and uh, I fell in love with the scene I was completely enamored and I was living at a punk house so we called it the trap house <laughs> uh, uh, at the time and uh, we uh, I, I just fell in love with it and I was like Levi, who was living there at the time too, I was just like, Levi, you gotta come out, you gotta come out. Um, so we went to the next one um, about a week later, and it was like me and him fell in love with it, and we were just like, you know what, we can do this, we can absolutely do this. So we just did it, and we, we just posted up in a living room um, and just uh, played music together, and we just kept doing that for hours and hours and hours, and then it just turned into it turned into what it is now. It just completely changed we started off as like a, a surf dance band and now we're uh knoxville's only screamo band so <laughs> that's still pretty cool what were, what were some of the shows that i know you said you've been able to put on some shows as well like what were some of the spots you were able to play at um, in knoxville or in tennessee in general we started off playing at that same venue that we went to it was called the purple polia it was just this little rundown building that was honestly should have been torn down a long time ago um, it was owned, or it was put on by, uh, her name is Chrissy uh, Kobasics, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, but uh, she, she was doing that up in Philadelphia and New York 
back in the day. Um, but she came, she moved down here and started doing it, and then we followed her along to her other venue, the Goat Gallery, and then the, her other venue, the Goat, and we play at uh, the Pilot Light a lot. That's basically our home. Um, now it's it's our home venue. It's Knoxville's underground home for music's. Yeah, uh, it's been around for. 30 years now and uh, they love us we love them we always try and get traveling bands to come through and play with them and then we sometimes we do festivals we've done Big Asses Fest which is the festival after Big Years uh, mm. which is Knoxville's the most eclectic music festival in the world uh, got 5,000 people that come out wow. uh, like and these are just musicians and everything it's hundreds of thousands of people that come mm. to this and then we play Punk Rock Flea Market, uh, which is uh, hosted by the uh, Pilot Light and other venues around there. And it's just, uh, just it's a Punk Rock Flea Market. It's mm -hmm. a flea market, you can buy plants, uh, records, movies, clothing, and then they put on a, put on a show. day long show of just local and traveling punk bands that come through and each year it's different. So, do you have like a show in like your history where it's like, yo, that's the show? Like, that was your favorite show you performed? Oof, there's a few of them. Um, I think our best show ever was right after it was our first show after COVID. It was this house show. Um, I I had a buddy in a local band um, that was moving up to Philly with everybody, and it was the last night at this house, and we played a show. And it was one of our best shows. We sounded really great after, you know, not seeing each other for a year, not doing anything for a year. Mm. And uh, I got real drunk and blacked out on the floor in the middle of the show. And then I look up uh, after being beer poured on me and it was the owner of the pilot light. <laughs> and just like came, came to see us and poured beer on my face and picked me up. And that was, that was really fun. Or um, the, uh, the last the Goodbye Goat Gallery show. That was our album art. That's where uh, that picture comes from. Um, it was huge, really fun. I, I really liked the crowded house shows. I'd probably say our our the, favorite shows. The vibe is just better. Yeah, okay. I want I want people inches from my face. I want <laughs> the whole roof shaking. Yeah, I want people like in between me and the band. I want the band to be crowded. I want me to be crowded I want everybody packed in I honestly want to feel like I'm going to die of heat exhaustion because it's there, there's nothing more intimate than screaming in somebody's face and being pushed back into the drum kit and then my drummer getting mad at me pushing me back and then I you know and you're like in a mosh pit up yeah, there yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool well, there's what, nothing better than that what's your album's name uh, our album is Have a Great Day. Have a Great Day Have a Great Day because there's no better way to have a great day than saying let's have a great day Start off the day with have a great day, and you'll probably have a good one. Or what was one. what was the start of making your was that your first album? Mm -hmm. first yeah, it was. It's our first and only album. Um, we unfortunately uh, have been playing a lot of shows, so we don't have time to write any music. Mm -hmm. um, and so this year we're taking taking it easy. We only play house shows, or um, we're, we're playing big asses this year, and uh, uh, punk rock Knoxville's punk rock flea market this year. Um, and that, that's all the shows that we really have lined up because we're, we're trying to actually buckle down. We have five songs written. We just need a couple more. And then we, uh, we're going to go to our friends that can record. And then we'll ship it off for mastering. Um, there's a guy we use that is pretty good. But I'm not sure if we're going to go with him this year or not. It, it all just depends on uh, how we're feeling and mm. the money that we have. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you give us like a little bit of the rundown to like what makes, you know, making an album possible? It's a lot easier than you think it is. Okay. It's, um, the, the biggest, the biggest thing is having somebody willing to help or like in our case, uh, we had a friend who was just, why don't you have an album? Let me record it for you. Okay. And, so you uh, need like a studio and not even he just had all of his equipment in his bedroom um, and we just went in there one at a time recorded our parts one at a time and uh, then he he helped it put it all together and we uh, like for me there's nobody else there um, and I just recorded my lines after everybody else had recorded their instrumentation for it and uh, honestly I didn't even have the lyrics written down most of that was just off the cuff Wow. Right, right then and there, I'd had some ideas of what I usually say, but because we've been doing it for a while at that point, and uh, but all it takes is just 
a couple friends and everybody knows how to play their instruments slightly well um, and just record the parts. I'm sure it's easier to do it if it's just you. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to have everybody. You don't have to mesh everything yeah. together. In a sense. And if it's just you doing it, like if you're a solo artist and whatnot, and you play a bunch of instruments, it's probably easier. But all you need is a microphone, really. Um, a microphone, a, a recording software, and then then you just got to find somebody to master it unless you can master it yourself. I can't do that because I don't know what, <laughs> what goes into it. But yeah. in, in your opinion, what like how long would you make an album for this type of genre? Like, what's the track, like, limit? Uh, like, how do you structure the album, in a sense? I like to structure the album with kind of an intro track, uh, and then, uh, like, our first our first track on our album is Holiday Turkey. Uh, uh, we did a little recording of one of our shows where after the show, I was just vomiting on this <laughs> random person's kitchen floor just because we played in this kitchen and I was playing Pokemon while I was playing the show just because nice. I thought it would be a fun bit and then I ended up vomiting and then spent the rest of the day standing in that trash can um, but the uh, nice. <laughs> uh, it was on purpose because okay. uh, there was no room in there for me to see the other things <laughs> uh, but and then the end, our end song is kind of a continuation more of a we just found um, what good vibes only is on uh, the uh, Urban Dictionary, and I just read off the lines over top of Levi Plan's soulful guitar esque thing. And but I think that I, I'd structure an album the way I structure a show, which is open up with a banger, then keep going for a little bit, maybe about ten minutes, and then slowly go into uh, like a rest period for the band because we're high energy. Um, and then finish off the night with new songs, uh, either like bangers, like fun dance dance songs, or more of a uh, like a really soul hitting songs. Mm. Um, and there, for albums, I don't really think there's any uh, structure to it. Yeah, there there shouldn't really be a, a, a limit. It all just depends. Like, I know an album that has three songs on it, and it's an hour long. I know an album that has 137 songs on it, and it's only 33 minutes long. Mm -hmm. it, it all just depends. Um, it, for this, I'd say no more than 25, 35 minutes, because it's you don't need that much of material to make an album, and especially like a good one. Yeah, or or even a bad one. <laughs> you can like that's the uh, that album that I was talking about, um, "Altered States of America" by a band called Agoraphobic Nosebleed. They're a grindcore band. Most of their songs are, I think their longest song on that album is 45 seconds long. Just, wow. For no reason. <laughs> that's unique. I mean, it's different. You know? <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. Most people say it's garbage music. I would agree, but I like it because it's fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I mean, that sounds interesting. And what's one thing that you'd say, like, you and your, your band, like, kind of bring differently to the table than, like, another, like, screamo type band? Like, I don't want to, like, I'm not very, in t like, in tune with these, like, genres. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm kind of a, a hip-hop, you know, mm -hmm. jazz dude, if you will. But, like, it just educate me. Like, what makes these bands, like, unique in their own way like that? Well, for us, I'd say the thing that's most unique is we have five members of the band. And we all like different genres of music. Like, uh... I, for instance, I like everything, um, but I try to stick to, typically stick to like punk or jazz. I really love funk um, and disco, uh, so I, I like to be, be more dancey. Yeah. Um, Ryan, our guitar, our bassist, he is he's really into hip hop and uh, just like EDM style music and yeah. everything. So he's always he's always. Uh, bringing that style of music into it i have Alyssa, our other bassist she's really into pop punk pretty much almost exclusively so i make fun of her a little bit but she's she's the one that brings a lot of the drive uh levi is really into indie indie music from like 2014 from california so it's very surf oriented and david our drummer is like i said he's a classically trained jazz drummer so it's just all this is jazz time signatures and and him and Levi have been playing forever, so even though Levi doesn't know music theory, he can follow along with David. Mm. Uh, 
in time signature structures and song structures, and we we like to break up, make it a little bit harsh to listen to, uh, just like musically, not the style of music, but because we'll switch up beats, time signatures whenever we want, and for no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Um, mm. And I, I would say that's probably it. We're a very jazz, uh, jazz and disco oriented screamo band with surf style. So at the start, at the start of the interview, you described your band as a post screamo yeah. type band. Well, can you describe that for us a little bit? Because you were talking about in the pool the other day, we were talking about stage one, stage two. You talk about post, post screamo. Post is more of a uh, like I, I like to. Uh, describe it in style of punk music because uh, mm-hmm. there's you know there's punk music uh, there's like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and then in the 80s they had um, hardcore punk with Black Flag uh, Minor Threat The Descendants and then the late 70s 80s around that shift between the two styles of punk there's a genre called post punk which is bands like Early Cure Gang of Four. Um, uh, it really started with uh, Public Image LTD, which was the vocalist for um, uh, the Sex Pistols band after the Sex Pistols broke up. Mm-hmm. And it's more influenced by a lot of the uh, African migration to Europe mm-hmm. and around that time. Uh, so they brought jungle style, uh, they brought African disco and African funk mm-hmm. uh, up to Europe and America. Uh, so, like, America post-punk band uh, would be, like, Devo, um, the B-52s, okay. uh, stuff like that. We had a much different style of music. It was less depressing and, like, focused on just, like, monotony and um, just nihilism and more of a nihilism but a fun nihilism. Like, hey, the world's ending, but let's party. Whereas, yeah. like, in Europe, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, the world ending, everything sucks. Yeah, let's cry. Like, so, uh, that that's... Anything that's more influenced by a a different genre but still in that style uh i would i would consider a post version of that okay of that genre so what in your give us like maybe your top five bands of all time or like musicians or artists like you, were just, you were just referencing a bunch of older kind of mm-hmm. bands and stuff like are any of those in your top five top ten no no order or anything if you just wanted to talk about the history say, of it a little bit i would say top five would be Gang of Four, a post-punk band from Leeds. I believe they're from Leeds. Uh, Devo, Akron, Ohio. Uh, B-52s from Athens, Georgia. Uh, then I really like the Donor Escape Plan, which were on the forefront of Mathcore. They didn't invent it, but they were on the forefront. Uh, they're from New Jersey. And then uh, Horse the Band, uh, for, they're a, a Nintendo core band, which they, they're not meh. But uh, they're from California. Those are probably the biggest influences on me personally, music-wise, mm. just because I, I really like uh, I really like their song structures. I really like their goofy goofy lyrics that are, sound really really fun and nonsensical. Mm. But if you actually read them, they're not deep, but just like sad and depressing. Yeah, they're but like, like you know disguised in a fun way. They're more so, than surface level. It's, it's yeah. more than surface level music. Yeah, it's nonsense lyrics, but then like, if you can put them together, any lyrics that are lead to interpretation, I think hits you harder than a lyric of just storytelling. Yeah, you know, because mm. the, then you can attach yourself to it rather mm. than being told what to attach to. Oh, and so, uh, I like that perspective. I showed I showed you uh, YF and Lucci the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's another one of those, you know, artists where it's 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 how you interpret it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it, it lets you. You know, he's telling you, you know, what what he's telling you, but it's it's up to you to make your own story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's really what I like about you know that that type of music. It's, it kind of makes you think a little bit more. What was the main thing that drew you? Obviously, the experience of that first festival that you went to, or kind of mm-hmm. you know, get together. What what was the main draw to music in general? Like, was it the sound? Was it, like, how you can relate to it? Was it an escape? Like, what was, like... Because, to me, I was able to, like, put my headphones in and just daydream to it. Right. You know, I could just close mm-hmm. my eyes and daydream type stuff. But what was it for you that made it so special? And why are you still pursuing that passion today? The energy. The energy mm-hmm. behind it. Uh, not necessarily the energy from bands, or anything, but the energy that the crowds 
have like especially in the intimate setting like i was talking about i, I prefer playing house shows because it's it's very intimate it's very um just people kind of lose their minds but in a collective way yeah. not disrespectfully lose their minds or anything like that it's just all you see a bunch of people just kind of start to lose themselves into the music collectively yeah. with each other mm. there's something intoxicating about that it brings, yeah it brings you in and it just like you feel good like it's like i would say that about any show really uh not just house shows like i've gone to edm shows and i'm like this is great but i prefer in a more local intimate setting like i went to an edm show and like uh like a trap show i was put in in somebody's basement in the like the uh the fort which is what we call the student housing area of uh ut mm. um and uh it was just in a basement it was called grandma's couch and like there was an edm show and then there was just like weird people on piano just singing whatever and it's just like the, there's something a little there's something special about an enclosed space with a certain group of people uh that just you can kind of like let go and become one with each other but still hold an individuality to it and i, mean, I, I really like that i think everyone in the, in the crowd kind of understands we're all on the same level you know I mean? yeah. yeah yeah so it's definitely like similar to you know, like people supporting and like living for their sports team, like mm -hmm. that. People love that just as much as I'm sure you love music. Oh like, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's one of those things where like it's about community. I I, I feel that you're mm -hmm. like like you said, letting go and just being your true self with other people that are also being their true selves and you know, kind of sharing the moment together. It's super fun. But um, Kate, any questions? Yeah, oh, I actually uh, did want to ask yeah. you about like what you're going to school for. I'm um, not going to school. No, you're not. Oh, so you still perform at school? Did you go to UT? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. I, I went to Pellissippi for a little bit, and then I just, I, it just wasn't for me, and I went into uh, some trades, but I didn't know any of the trades. Like, I worked on semi-trucks for a little bit, um, and that was that was a lot of fun, uh, but I got fired for cussing, so I don't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, and then um, I ended up working at a law firm that was closing, and uh, as, a, as a runner, helping them close out files. And then um, I followed one of the attorneys to a new law firm and became their runner. And I, was, I did that for about three years before I was poached by the courthouse to <laughs> work for them instead. So I was like, this is a good opportunity. Uh, it's kind of networking in a sense. Like networking is important, like, especially with music. But like your job, you can do it too. It's just... I, I don't like name dropping people, you know, there's like people that name drop, I'm just like instantly turned off on them. But no, if I, you're like, if you can work and network to that, yeah, like I, all, by all means, it's, it's the best way to get where you want. Mm -hmm. And especially if you were being noticed, you know, not because I'm sure you were like being, you know, buddy, buddy with everyone. It yeah. was your work ethic that was yeah. you know, getting your attention and got you those better opportunities mm -hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, um, aside, uh, aside from music, I know you, a little bit of a world traveler, but you were in Italy for how long? Uh, I was in Italy for about two weeks. Two uh, weeks? I went there um, with a, an ex of mine. Um, she is from, she was from Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we just decided just on a whim, like, hey, let's go to, let's, let's vacation in Italy. Oh, yeah. Um, and we went there and I got to meet her aunt and I got to see her cousin again because he came over to... The states and hung out with us for a little bit and we got him drunk off real whiskey mm. um, but uh it it was a lot of fun uh i i really enjoyed it um i like i like how everybody's out and about all the time uh you see old people just sitting on a bench uh, as you're leaving to go to the local shop and get some focaccia uh for like breakfast and everything and then you go on the uh i guess they're the closest thing I can say is MARTA system, the transit system. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then you spend hours at the shops or whatnot, go get some, you know, just walk around, enjoy yeah. the sights. Uh, people watch. Italians are weird. Uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, we come back and you see the same old, old people sitting on this same bench 12 hours later. Just, just talking. They just won't stop talking. <laughs> but it's it's... It's really fun. It's really different. I assume I've never been to New York, but I assume it's similar to that, but slower. Yeah. Honestly, 
and you know a lot of a lot of populace of Italy is is senior citizens, and you know, I don't know I don't really know how to phrase this, but like um, I don't know how would you how would you like differentiate the the interactions with locals here to there. Over there, almost everybody is drunk. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they're nice. Uh, no, no. They, they they yell at you, but in a way that you don't feel threatened. Okay, but um, you understand. No, no. I, I can't speak a lick of English, but they move their hands, and you can kind of, if you can move your hands and talk slower in English, and they talk slower in Italian. For some reason, you can just understand them. You, you get the gist. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, so they're yelling in a way that you, you know maybe your teacher wouldn't yell at you, but like. You know what, if someone is like, yo, there's a car that's, you know, just rolling on its own, like, yeah, you might want to get that. Like, yeah. Okay. They're, they're very excited people. Okay. Mm. And the food? The, oh, the food is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I will say, do not just bite into a pizza that has olives on it because you will hit a pit and crack your teeth. Ooh. <laughs> all yeah, their olives are unpitted. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting you learned that from uh, experience. experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted a sardine and olive pizza, and the sardines had bones in them, and the mm. olives had pits. Oh, no. Really? Wow. Yeah. Is there, like, I wonder why they don't, you know, take that. Out. I mean, obviously it's fresh. It tastes better. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you just eat around the pit and spit it out. Okay. What was the favorite? What was the best meal you got there in your time? I. Yeah. We went to this restaurant. It was because it was for my birthday, and it my birthday ended up the same day as um, her aunt's birthday. Mm. So we all went there. We all went to this restaurant, which was right next to a prison. It was just like we were out in the back patio, and you could just like toss a stone over the prison wall anytime wow. you wanted. Huh. Um, and they had these uh, this plate of thirty two sardines, all cooked in different ways. Best meal I had there. I've never eaten sardines before, but that was the best thing I've had. Mm. And what's what town or city were you in? Uh, we stayed in Genoa for most of the time, um, which is uh, it's the sixth largest city in Italy. It's the largest port city in Italy, and uh, it's the home of Christopher Columbus. Which, if I had moved there, I would be deported because I would have burned it down. But <laughs> um, it was uh, I liked that place a lot. It was smaller, a little bit slower, and everything. So. Um, and then we stayed in uh, Firenze um, for a bit, uh, and that that was that was a lot of fun. I, I liked it a lot. Um, and then we went to Pisa, which I don't recommend spending as much time in Pisa because there's nothing in Pisa at all, like, except for the tower. Yeah, you see the tower, and you're like, oh, that's cool, and then you're like, well, I guess I'm gonna sit in the hot sun for a few hours till our train comes. <laughs> and you know. I understand that you landed in uh, Milan, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I landed in Milan. Uh, that's where um, Max's cousin went to school, or still goes to school for engineering. And uh, he picked us up and drove us back to his hometown um, of Genoa. It was about an hour and a half hmm. half from there. Uh, and uh, I wish I stayed stayed awake on the drive there because apparently it was gorgeous, but I don't remember any of it because I was asleep. And well, I mean, I'm sure the jet lag was... You know, pretty tiring. Yeah, it was a fourteen-hour flight. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, and uh, so my, you know, Milan is probably you know one or two on my list just because of the soccer team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the energy that's over there is it's just something else. It really is. Like, especially in uh, Genoa, they have a big soccer team over there, big soccer culture in Genoa. And it was, do you do you see anything about that or? Yes, or? there were public soccer fields everywhere really? and there's all they're always in use huh. always mm-hmm. uh, we, we'd be on the the bus going into town uh, or even walking into town and uh, it was just soccer fields everywhere soccer fields and bridges and uh, cemeteries that's all I saw Did you are you a, a sports guy is there a sports team that you do follow uh, I don't really follow uh, traditional sports <laughs> I'm more of a motorsports person mm. I, I, I've watch F1. I watch, I just got into Indy this year. Uh, I used to watch NASCAR all the time. That's, that's, that is my... Do you want to maybe name a couple of your favorite racers or maybe, oh, we could even talk about maybe your favorite car ever and, made. And the uh, Indy 500 was yesterday. Yes. And, and uh, F1 the, Monaco. The Monaco Grand Prix was yesterday sure. as well. Uh, I was really, really upset uh, at, at the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, I was so upset I didn't even drink the entire time. I was just mad and I just wanted it to be over. 
uh, because I'm so sick and tired of seeing Max Verstappen win all the time. I'm tired of hearing the Dutch national anthem and the Austrian national anthem uh, because it was so close. Qualifying was so close. It was. To get Fernando Alonso on pole for a long, since a long time. I like Fernando. He's cool. He's really old. I don't know what he's still doing in the sport, but he obviously is still so good. He's still so talented. Mm. Um and uh, he came in second, which is cool to see him. He's been on podium all races but one this year. Mm. Uh, and we got Esteban Ocon in third, which I don't – it's his third ever podium in the sport. He's, he's a been dog. He's a dog. He, he is a weird-looking dog. <laughs> I will say that. The French breed weird-looking people. But, like, they – I mean, the French invented motorsports. So there's that. Uh, they – he did really well. He held on. He had – Lewis Hamilton snatching at his heels yeah, all yeah. race, seven-time world championship or championship winner, and he just held him off constantly. And I was I was really proud of him for that. It's not every day that you can have somebody that talented right on your butt, trying to pass you, trying to bait you into any mistake, and just not give in. Mm, it was so cool to see. Two big tragedies a day, at least in my opinion. I'm sure you can talk on them. Is Sergio Perez placing so low, oh. and Logan Sargent placing so low? Oh, I know. Sergio Perez, unfortunately, no, no shade to Logan Sargent or or Lance Stroll. Uh, Sergio Perez is the only shot North America has at having a good driver. <laughs> uh, Lance Stroll is pretty good. Like he, he can he can do what he needs to, but uh, Sergio Perez is I mean, he's number two in the championship. He's uh, he's been racing for a while. Um, he, I mean he's like aside from Pato Award, those are the two best Mexican drivers I get to see. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I, I'm not. I can't really speak about rally because I don't watch it all that much. But that's like in IndyCar, Pato Award for McLaren. He's he had a rough day yesterday too out the Indy 500. But uh, Sergio Perez just qualified. He wrecked in Q1 qualifying and just couldn't ever make yeah. it. They make it into the points or past 15th place. And then wow. uh, talk about Logan Sargent, St. Pete boy. Yeah. No, he's, he's Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Uh, What's going on with Logan Sargent? Yeah. He is a rookie, and um, he's prone to make mistakes. But he doesn't put it into the wall like Nicholas Crash Tifi or <laughs> Nick DeBreeze. Oh, uh, <laughs> Do those guys suck? Well... Logan uh, Nicholas Latifi was last year's uh, Logan Sargent replaced Nicholas Latifi on Williams and uh, for this year and no shade to Nicholas but the man knows Nutella more than he knows how to drive a car uh, and Nick Nick DeBreeze he's uh, he's he replaced uh, Pierre Gasly on uh, AlphaTauri Red Bull's junior team for this year and he's the most "Quote unquote," experienced rookie. I mean, he's a two-time. I think he's a two-time uh, Formula E world champion, um, and he's my age, so he should have a. But he came in trying to upstep his teammate Yuki Sonoda, which is we love Yuki. He's nothing but fun to watch. Uh, he's a little bit emotional and aggressive, but like that's what you want. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nick just came in through shade and he's been sucking ever since so I'm just like hell yeah but he's doing better than Logan he's a better pace but he finds the wall more than he finds pace mm-hmm. so yeah. so right now who are you looking for like as maybe the next guy up yeah, out of all the rookies and maybe out of some young American drivers since that's obviously what you know, if you're an American listener out there, you want the American driver to win. But. Yeah, I, I would love Logan Sargent had a good start to the season. Uh, first race, he was P12, which is insane because all the other rookies. But honestly, uh, Oscar Piastri is probably the one to watch out for. He's He's got a good head. He's got pace. Um, he's been consistently outperforming his teammate Lando Norris. Um, who was, who everybody regards as the next world champion. Oh, this is McLaren, right? Yeah, this is for McLaren, which they, they, they have a brick of a car this year. It's not that great. Mm. But, um, who has the best car? Red Bull, for sure. They, what do they have? 
they have their uh, I don't know what they did but they get their DRS uh, just at like they can shoot off but their secret weapon Red Bull secret weapon aside from Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez uh, Sergio Perez is he can consistently keep up with Max but once if Max is in that zone he's he is something breed. else yeah. um, but uh their secret weapon is Adrian Newey, um, their car designer. He's he's the man that everybody says a man that can see air. He can just design a car to. I mean, he's he's the most winningest car designer in Formula One. Mm. He's designed I think eleven championship winning cars in his <laughs> in his career, which is wow insane. But he he's just. He's, and I, he's great. He's the best. I hear that going to an F one like event is like better than any other sporting event in the world. Like I, I've heard, and this is from like actual like former NFL players that are just getting into like podcasting or the broadcast like gig, mm-hmm. and uh, they like go and like report on the Grand Prix or like F one, and they say the vibes are just amazing. Have you ever been to like one of these races live? I have not. Uh, that's because I can't can't afford it. Um, okay. <laughs> but I assume they're very expensive. Yeah, well. I mean the uh, the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which is uh, I was looking at it. Uh, you're looking for the weekend. You're looking at five to ten grand. Uh, even even the cheaper one like um, Austin, Texas at Coda. Uh, you for a weekend. You're looking at three grand. Mm. Three grand for three days, and that's just. That, that's not something a 28-year-old <laughs> that works for the government can feasibly yeah. do. If I'd recommend going to an indie race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the St. Pete race, uh, the opening St. Pete race this year, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, St. Pete is a great track. It's really cool. It's cool to have the uh, the start-finish line on an air, air strip. Yeah, it's um, on the water, too. Yeah. And I, I will be going to Nashville, the Music City Grand Prix, uh, this year as well. When's that? Um, it's in August. I think it's August 6th. Sick. Uh, Sick. And that, that'll that be really fun. I'm going, uh, going with my buddy and um, hopefully trying to get all of my F1 wash party to come as well. Hey. Um, but I, I mean, I grew up in Dover, Delaware, going to Dover Downs all the time, watching NASCAR, and those are just as much fun. NASCAR... Dover Downs, you walk through the, uh, I guess, the field, and it feels like, uh, feels like going to a college game at UT, mm. uh, where everybody, the entire city is just one big, um, what is it, uh, tailgate. It's yeah. a big tailgate party, except for race cars, with a bunch of people just barbecuing and just, like, hanging out. You talked about Delaware. What was it like growing up there? What were some of the stories with uh, you and Danny growing up as brothers? I mean... I have three little brothers, so I'm sure it was, you know, fun roughhousing <laughs> times and stuff like that. For sure. You can get your little brothers to do anything just by talking to them. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Like, it helps. I Got can't it. tell you how many times uh, I've convinced Daniel to uh, uh, jump his bike, mm. and uh, he could never land it. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many times he kept getting hurt, you could always convince him to go again. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Uh, I mean, it's a second smallest state, so you could just walk in any direction for like half a day and be out of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was school like? What was some of the memories there like with your fam? School was I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I moved out um, of there in 2004, so I was like nine. Okay. Um, but uh, I remember going to Rehoboth Beach uh, a lot. I remember going to Dewey Beach and getting stung by a jellyfish there. Oh wow. Um, the uh, I remember going to Dover Downs or uh, in kindergarten. I remember getting hit in the head with a seesaw and getting a scar above my eye and you wow. know uh, making the uh, the the person looking after us pass out with all the blood. Like, that was fun. Jeez. You know, um, I, I lived in the same house for you know my entire life, and I, you moved you moved states when you were nine. What was that like in transitioning from Delaware to Tennessee? Uh, well, it was uh, there are two different things. Like I, I used to love Delaware. I used to love being next to the beach. Um, I loved the winter being an actual winter. You know, getting eight to f- eight inches to like a foot of snow every year. Um, it's staying around for a long time. The summer's not too hot or anything. 
uh, having an actual fall, you know, nice, nice seasons. Yeah. Moving to Tennessee is the summers are so hot. It's constantly in the high nineties and we're in a valley. So it's just complete humidity with no airflow at all. So you're just, you instantly walk outside and you just feel like 10 pounds heavier from just yeah. all the, the water on you. Mm-hmm. Um, the winters are cold. Uh, but I like that. I, I like the cold winters. Um, fall is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, I bet. Yeah. And I've fallen in love with the mountains, especially somebody that likes to drive and everything. Um, we have some of the best driving roads I have come across. I mean, I live 45 minutes away from the Tail of the Dragon, uh, US, I think it's US 11. Um, it's uh, 129 uh, Turn. turns yeah. on a mountain road that is only a, 11 miles long. I mean, where are we on uh, that? Uh, going up to, uh, is it on the way to Gatlinburg or something like that? No, no, that's, uh, it's, it's crosses the border into North Carolina. Okay. okay. Uh, and you know, I, I love Appalachians. Um, I mean, I've got an uncle that lives in West Virginia. Uh, I've always loved the Appalachian mountains and the people are pretty great i mean they're not the friendliest but i've been there a long long time i've been in tennessee since 2004 so you can kind of talk to them in a way that they're they're a lot friendlier to you and uh they're they're some of the like when they say southern hospitality it ain't these people <laughs> it's not they're the type of people that you show up on their property and you're probably going to meet a bullet before you meet them but like you know it's that's just the way of life up there it's just mm-hmm. they're distrustful of outsiders because they want to protect their homes and the, their environment around them. Yeah. So. You think uh, moving to Tennessee, you think it had a positive impact on you? No. <laughs> I mean, now it has. Uh, but moving to Tennessee was, uh, was a really depressing time. I left all my friends in uh, Delaware. Um, and I had to make a bunch of new friends. Uh, I went from blonde to brown hair, just naturally, because uh, I didn't go outside. Uh, and... Um, I didn't make the best friends all the time, but yeah. I like that's. I think that's just part of growing up, honestly. Just especially at that pivotal time of when you start, like hormones start coming in, you start going through puberty, and you just completely leave the world that you knew and just coming into things, and it's just you got to work your way back at back up and out of that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's where I am at now. It's always a constant struggle, but you know, that's just that's just life. That is sadly, yeah. but also you know, I mean, you're stronger. stronger. It makes so, you stronger, yeah. like you said, but it, I, I, at the same time, the transition, you said, wasn't probably the best for you in the moment, moving from Delaware to Tennessee, mm-hmm. but like overall, you believe that it kind of made you the, the, the person you are today, so it's not in all you know avenues a bad thing, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I would say. But what were some of the um, best memories, I guess, towards the tail end of your childhood in Tennessee before you kind of had to move out and do adult things, I guess, you know? Uh, the that, adult life. That would probably be just the, the stupid things I did with my friends uh, towards the town of high school. Mm. Um, you know, just like being out past curfew, getting picked up by the police past curfew. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like stressful at the time, but talking about it now, I'm like, ah, I wouldn't have done anything different. Like, you know, trying to go to parties when you're 17. Yeah. Um, you know, like not necessarily doing any drugs or alcohol, just like being in the vibe uh, of all that. And so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, just walking the train tracks, going fishing, going fishing's fun. Um, especially if you don't catch anything and you're just sitting there for hours and hours and hours just goofing off. Getting some like, sun, yeah. chilling. Yeah, and uh, like the lake lakes are fun, um, uh, but all of them are man-made, so there's a bunch of houses underneath, which freak me out, so I don't try and go in there anymore. Underneath um, what? The water. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, like like man-made flooding and stuff that mm-hmm. just flooded old towns? And- yeah, during, uh, I think it was the Green New Deal, uh, or the Green Deal, or whatever FDR was doing, um, uh, trying to get America out of the uh, Great Depression, uh, we... The TVA, TVA was done, the Tennessee Valley Association, um, and they built a bunch of dams and flooded a bunch of lakes to, for hydroelectric power, get uh, people off of coal um, so to keep, you know, because the National Park was made, uh, Smoky Mountain National Park, so we couldn't mine there anymore. Yeah. Um, and so th- there was a bunch of dams, so they just paid all these farm owners just 
a bunch of money to just evacuate and they didn't even demolish the houses they just flooded it so there's just a bunch of houses old cars underneath there so it's kind of creepy yeah it is creepy that's why i don't really like it all that much that might be a cool uh, scuba diving spot though yeah, I mean, there's no gators or anything. No, no, reptiles. no. There's uh, there's giant snapping turtles and oh. giant catfish. Uh, that's okay. about all you got to worry about. Okay. Catfish, <laughs> I, I know that they can swallow people whole. Some of them. I don't think I. I don't think we're monsters. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Jeremy Leaf. Leaf. Although I will say, uh, because we're so close to Oak Ridge, um, and uh, the nuclear power. Oh uh, yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell about this. Okay. Yeah. You know about yes. Oak Ridge. No. Okay, Oak Ridge was a secret city built by the U.S. government in, I believe, the early 40s. Uh, and it was purposely made confusing in case any like anybody tried to invade America. But that's where the nuclear bombs were developed, mm-hmm. in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, that's where all the research was done. And then they moved that out to Nevada to uh, once they like, got kind of working models. Um, and it stayed a secret city off the maps for i think since until around towards the end of the cold war um uh so that nobody could see it like if anybody had a map they can see it and they actually changed the time zone on maps to have oak ridge and knoxville in the eastern standard time zone so that it could be on the same time zone as washington dc um wow and uh there's still uh like there's the y-12 nuclear uh facility there so they still do a bunch of nuclear research there. It's very secretive still, um, and uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory is still is still there, and they're still doing stuff. But because of that, unfortunately, Oak Ridge and like that surrounding area just has a large cancer population, more like a higher cancer population than uh, than what should be there, a higher percentage, and we have. There's no uh, Norse Lake is fine, but uh, like Lake Loudon and like the Lake Loudon Dam and all that, that is very dirty water. Uh, you don't really want to be in it. You don't want to eat anything out of it. Yeah. Uh, so we we'd always fish there, but we'd always just take it and toss it back. There's no eating any of that. Yeah. And uh, doesn't Oak Ridge Blur uh, is uh, they have some deep ties to Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Yeah, that's that's yeah. where um, what is it the uh, the little boy and mm-hmm. that's where, that, that's where yeah. it was. Uh, that's where it was all developed. Uh, I forget what it was called. Project Manhattan. Yeah, project. Manhattan. Yeah, the Manhattan Project. Yeah, that's where. Uh, that's where it started. Wow. Uh, and so. Uh, how far? How far uh, away is that from your where you live now, Oak Ridge? Um, Oak Ridge is is about half an hour uh, from where I live because I live in downtown Knoxville now, and okay. that's just like with traffic and everything, but. Uh, when I lived uh, in East Knoxville in Farragut, uh, it was you know about eleven miles away. Wow. So, well, super really close. close. Yeah, yeah, super close. Yeah. Um, I believe Oak Ridge is. I'm pretty sure that's where T. Higgins played. Uh, that's pretty sure that's, that's where he went to high school. Oak Ridge Dan- High School. Oh uh, yeah, Danny was talking about yeah. the uh, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins and some of the athletes that have come out of that area, like some freak athletes come out of Tennessee, and that's just you know always how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you ever go to or experience any like sporting events that weren't like racing and when you went to college or during high school did you ever catch a football game or anything? Oh like yeah, that? I, yeah. I, I I'd go you know I not that I really even cared about necessarily our football team I was like I, I didn't really care I mean I was friends with some of the uh, the football players mm-hmm. and baseball players but like. I didn't really care too much about the sports. I just went there for the girls. Hey, <laughs> uh, and uh, no, it, it was fun. Uh, the, um, I mean, we had a pretty good base. We we had a, well, I mean, we had a championship winning baseball team, yeah. and we had previous championship winning uh, football teams. But mm. uh, I just went to the football games, you know, just to have fun, you know, hang out with friends. It was it was a Friday. It was like the one time. All like everybody from school would be there, and just like we'd go out and everything and hang out. We'd go over to the uh, the opposing field stands and or the opposing team's fans and like antagonize, yeah, antagonize them a Chaos. little bit, <laughs> coax them into fighting us, and then run off to the cop and be like, "Hey, this guy <laughs> punched me." Uh, <laughs> punched man, these guys are over here. So uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, and then I would go to uh, I'd go to a few um, uh, UT. 
football games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been to a few UT basketball games and women's basketball uh, games and stuff. And those are always fun. I mean, I w- wish I would have gone to this previous season's games for UT because they actually were doing really well. I yeah. mean, first year beating Alabama in, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what is it, 12 years or something like that? Yeah, it, it was actually, like, a long time. <laughs> 10, 11 years. Yeah, they, you're right. They, ripped, they, 12, they right. ripped down the goalposts, carried it out of the stadium, and threw it in the river. Yep, that's yeah. that's our tradition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a bill every year for the team, but... It's worth it. It, it is. is worth it. It's one, no- the, it's one Knoxville and the... the uh, the college is willing to foot. Yeah, uh, it's it's like a ten thousand dollar goalpost. Like, mm-hmm. what's ten thousand dollars to a multi million? Exactly. Like, like college campus. Like, like there's a football player named Mike Evans. He gives the ball away every single time he gets a touchdown. He, like, it does. It's, it's a fine every single time he does it. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. He, it's it's just like, eh, whatever. Exactly. Have fun. Now, like, I guess what what are your goals like moving forward in life? Like, what do you want with your band? What, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? I guess is a better question. I don't even see myself in two, but uh, <laughs> the uh, now my goals are um, they're they're not they're not uh, I guess lofty. You know, like I like I like my life now. It's it's peaceful. It's quiet. Aside from you know the music aspect, that's very chaotic. Um, but the uh, I just like kind of just existing in a city that I really like and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I like where I'm at in my job and my career. I like where I'm at musically. Uh, like I we've made so much money from our band, and I I don't take a cent from it because for me that's just like that's just that's what I like to do. That's what I want to do it. I I want to enjoy it, and I think the moment that you start, especially with like a hobby like that, like where you can just go out and perform and have fun. It's to me. It's more rewarding and fulfilling to make to meet younger people. Like I mean, there are sixteen year olds, eighteen year olds come up to me. They're like, "Oh my god, that was insane!" Like, and I'm like, and at first I thought it was annoying, but then like I went back and looked at me at that age, and I was doing that exact same thing. Yeah. Like ten years ago. So, uh, like to me, that feels good. To like, and they're like, they're they're always asking, "Well, how do I do this?" And I'm like. Honestly, just stop questioning yourself. Just, just do it. Like mm-hmm. the the moment, like I had a lot of anxiety, and be, like I started off behind the drum kit because I felt like that was the closest way for me to get over anxiety and play in front of people. And then slowly, I got pushed in to the front of the band, and so like, like that, I've already made that goal. I mean, my I had three goals when I when I was growing up. I had three things I wanted to do, and I it didn't matter which one that would be. Uh, it was just like I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a race car driver, or I wanted to be a frontman of a band. Mm. I've I've achieved my goal, so now I'm just I'm like I'm happy. I'm 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 living life. I'm just existing with friends. I like hanging out with friends. I like being around people. Um, I like going to art the art exhibits. Like to me, that's more exciting than trying to lift myself up into like a different stratosphere. Because that's gotcha. that's where I am. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I like to be. I like to be. Slightly behind the scenes, but like seen. Yeah, so humble about it. What's the next step? The next step is playing outside of Knoxville. Okay. Uh, we've we've haven't been out there or been anywhere else because we don't have a car, especially with the prices of used cars or like a van. Uh, that's not anything any of us can really do. Um, Levi could probably do it, but he just like he works on movies mm. um, and everything. He. Uh, like he worked on movies and TV shows in that are filmed in Knoxville, and uh, so he could do that. But the problem is, is then you've got three other, got four other people that don't make that kind of money. So we we don't tell him. We were like, hey, but like, don't do anything that we can't help you with. Because yeah. Then it just becomes a you know don't put a strain on any relationship monetarily if you don't have to. But uh, we've got we got. Uh, I think we have some gigs lined up to play in Asheville. Um, we, we've met, we've met a lot of people from Asheville, and there's a band called Okapi that uh, we absolutely love. Uh, we played with them the first time they came to Knoxville. We played with them every every single time since, except for maybe two. Um, and they love us. We love them. We introduce them to Pilot Light. They get a better reception in Knoxville than they do at their 
in Asheville and sweetest husband and wife duo that I've ever wow. seen. And they're just they're they're really nice. They're they're putting us uh, in I guess cahoots with other bands that they're like there we've got some people out in Las Vegas that want us to come out there okay. uh, we've got places to play in Philly in New York and we just know people there from just doing this for so long and we just actually got to do it but the problem is that we all have full time jobs and not yeah. I'm the only one with a job that will pay for a vacation mm. like I get vacation time unfortunately not everybody else has that that lucky opportunity that yeah. I got to and Levi is is a contract worker he works whenever he wants to so he's and he's been out in Arizona with his with his partner uh, for as much as he can he loves it out out there in the desert I don't know why it's hot <laughs> that must be something it must be something out there in Arizona that has the draw he, he looks at rocks <laughs> he went to the Grand Canyon it's like Look at this. And I'm like, dude, it's just rocks. <laughs> it's just rocks, dude. <laughs> Big rocks, small rocks. Yeah. All those types of rocks. You can't bring any of it home with him. Yeah. So you, just just like, you know, man, you never know. You don't want to say that to someone determined. You know, might steal a boulder, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, you have a, you have a favorite spot you've been to in your life? Um, probably the ice cream place on top of Mount Washington in Pittsburgh. Okay. It's you take the incline up, eat at this abandoned looking house and ice cream and looking over uh, looking over Pittsburgh, the city line all the way up on Mount Washington to see the uh, the three rivers and you know PNC Park and Heinz Field and just all the yellow ass bridges. Yeah. <laughs> so. Also, what is a place on earth that you haven't been to yet but you need to get to? It's the top three. Top three. No order. No order. Um, well, I'd like to go to Monaco for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, um, I would like. I'd like to go to Hawaii, even though I don't like. I, I feel like that's low enough, or it's like closer to. It's close enough to the equator, and because it's an island, it wouldn't be as hot as you know it would be. And then, honestly, I'd like to. I'd like to see. Either Maine or Alaska, hmm. just cause uh, I like rock beaches and um, but I want to see if Stephen King has got the right idea about Maine or if it's actually not as gray as he makes it out to seem. And uh, I, think I think I, it might be gray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be gray yeah. Yeah. I think Alaska would be pretty cool just cause oh, yeah. uh, it's the last frontier. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it might be like the most beautiful place on planet Earth. It could be. I don't know. I've never been. Hey, <laughs> hey that's that's what you gotta find out. And there's a place in Alaska called Singapore, which is... Is there really? Yeah. Oh, that's where I want to go. I want yeah. to see Singapore. Yeah, it's in Alaska, though. It's not... It's just a weird... Whoever named that place. Very strange. Um, very strange name. But uh, not not the name Singapore. But we, we were talking about Cleveland, Tennessee, the last show with... Uh, yeah, Danny. Cleveland, Tennessee. Oh, that place is... A pigsty. <laughs> pigsty. <laughs> to be honest, I've been there a lot. Not uh, not a popping spot. It's not. I mean, it's a college town, but I had to go there for uh, for my job at the law firm a lot. And I, I mean, I, it was nice to get away from the firm, but it, like there wasn't anything to do. Mm-hmm. What is one message? And I, I guess this will be like my last question for you. But okay. like, take as long as you need on this question. What is one thing, one message, or like something about you that? you want kind of in the airways forever I mean so other people can listen and uh, from all over the world we have listeners in South Korea Australia Netherlands Belgium so what's one thing you'd like them to know about you or a life message from experience well I guess it's both Mm -hmm. Um, I guess because it's a it's a life lesson that I had to teach myself but it's it's I think it's most important um, and that is that don't push yourself there's no reason to push yourself. There is nothing out there that you can achieve by putting extra stress on yourself that you wouldn't be able to achieve just by taking five minutes every hour just to breathe and just look around. Yeah. Like, it's, there's no reason to stress yourself out by just needing something done. There's no rush on anything. Uh, even even in jobs where there is a time limit, there's, there, there's no reason to just 
overextend yourself because I think that is what made me unhappy when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And now that I've taken a lot of time to just live and, you know, I, 10 years, 15 years later, I, I realized that if you just slow down a little bit, yeah, everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. I like that, especially because, you know, I think Ferris Bueller said it, but if you <laughs> don't slow down every once in a while, you're yeah. going to miss something important. Yeah. So exactly. I, 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 li I like that a lot. And one last thing, favorite car, favorite car. Favorite Ooh, sorry. Let's see. This was needed. Uh, I know there's, there's not going to be a, a singular definite answer. I don't think there, there's not. You know what? But give us give us a top three range. Okay. No order. Okay, I could do that. Uh, there is the 1963 Corvette mm. uh, fuel injection. You know, oh, yeah. a big boy. Um, there is the Alfa Romeo Stradale 33. A uh, beautiful race car, one of the most gorgeous race cars, and the Nissan 240Z. Nice, it just nice. just the original, just it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with any well, of those cars. You want to talk about some of the favorite cars you've owned? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, and I know you. I know you've owned some some, some crazy cars. I, I I've owned some really just. Slightly rare cars, and like maybe you talk about the story of how you got that that uh, Mercedes. No, <laughs> that's a funny story. I okay. Uh, I I had a 1984 um, Mercedes Benz 300 SD or uh, the the turbo diesel um, mm -hmm. S class. Uh, I was working at Mercedes at the time, and this old guy was driving down because they had bought a house out in Townsend, um, and uh, the engine just stopped. And he's like, oh, I just blew the motor. I'll, I'll get it towed to Mercedes. If I can't fix it, I'll just buy a new one. You know, just rich, retired old man. And uh, I, I, I fell in love with this car. It was beautiful. I, I really wanted it. And so I, he was in the middle of talking to the sales guy. And I went up and was like, hey, is that your car out there? And the sales guy looked at me so mad because uh, I was interrupting his deal. And he goes, yeah, it is. And I was like, what's wrong with it? Or like, what's going to happen? And he was like, well, I guess I got to get a new one. Uh, I think I blew the motor. And I was like, how would you take for it? And he goes, how about this? Take the license plate off, and you can have it. And I'm like, hell yeah. I come back, and the, the sales guy informed him that he can't just give me the car. Yeah, I have to pay monetary value for it, because that's the law in Tennessee. So he goes, give me 10 bucks, and it's yours. So I bought a car for $10. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, that, that was a fun car to have. Um, I didn't do anything with it, but I, I made a profit off of it. Yeah, $10. Dollars. I just sat in my yard for about eight months before I was like, you know what? I don't know anything about diesels. So what, what am I doing with this? So I, get so out of here. I sold yeah. it to some uh, one of my buddies that knows uh, about diesels. I made a, I, I sold it for about 140 bucks. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you made $130. Yeah, I, uh, Screw it. One of my favorite cars I ever owned was my first car. And it was an Acura, it was a Type 2, or not a Type 2, it was a second generation Acura Legend, in 1991. And I fell in love with this car. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, not an exciting car. To me, though, like, the way the lines worked, it's just, it's such a beautiful car. Uh, and the weird longitudinally mounted front-wheel drive V6, which is the same block from the NSX. It's a, it's a CA, it's a 3.2 CA, um... Motor. I mean, it's not the same motor, but it's the same block. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to try and say that it's the same motor. but uh, So technically, that means it's the exact same car. Technically, <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> it, it just turned around. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I have my Nissan 300ZX. Uh, I still have that. Uh, I love it to death. It's a, um, it's a Z31 uh, from 1986, so it's got the best body style, or the best, I guess, yeah, body style, because it's got the... The previous generation's headlights and taillights, and before they, or like the previous, like, I guess, model, uh, and then the, uh, uh, and they updated it with the wire body. So I, I, I got the best year. Uh, I got to work on that um, before, but also I had a 1987 Saab 900 Turbo mm. uh, that I bought for 600 bucks. Uh, the legend, the Acura Legend, by the way, I bought for seventy-five dollars. What? So, <laughs> God, how are you getting these deals? Uh, you just, you just gotta uh, 
talk to people that want to really want to get rid of their car, or just go to Tennessee. It might yeah. happen. Yeah, there yeah. you'll find you'll find if if you so many of the rednecks and uh, like mountain people in Tennessee will have these cars. If you can create like a little bit of a like a, a dialogue with them, you know, get them to remember you and like you, they'll just like do whatever mm-hmm. for you. Uh, and There's that southern hospitality, but you have to yeah. break through the wall first. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, and right now, I drive a 2016 smart car with a manual transmission because hey. I needed a car after uh, a certain person wrecked my car, um, and uh, I uh, got a great deal because I was working at Mercedes at the time. And honestly, that car is so fun. It's like a go kart, slow as hell. You get weird looks. But the way I put it is I went $13,000 in debt for a bit, and I have never been happier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I'm sure the gas is it's, – it's electric, correct? No, it's, 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 uh, it's full gas. It's, uh, I guess, 35 miles to the gallon. But it's I, – I, I like to before, uh, describe it as a rear-wheel drive, a rear-engine, turbo car with a manual transmission. It's a coupe, and it's German. And so people think – that's a 911. I don't tell them <laughs> that it's a smart car. <laughs> it's not a Porsche. It's Sorry. not a Porsche, no. Porsche, excuse <laughs> me. I don't have a Porsche. I can't say Porsche. Oh. You don't own a Porsche. You're not supposed to say that. Just say, uh, no, you can't say Porsche. You have to say Porsche. Completely. You can't. I, I've had people tell me that it's not, it's not Porsche. It's pronounced Porsche. And I'm like... No, you have to say the full name because that is the man's name. You have to pronounce it with the name. Exactly. But, um, Kate, did you have any more questions left for yourself? Or? Um, no, yeah, I, I got them all out of the way. But uh, no, we really appreciate you giving us your time and Absolutely. coming on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Whenever you are down again, love to have you on. Maybe talk some more car stuff, more Absolutely. F1. Yeah, hell yeah. Still going on. Hell yeah. I, uh, I, it's great to see you all again. No, seriously. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, always it's been a while. Yeah. You got to let me know when you're coming down next. Yeah. And Absolutely. this should be up by tonight. So okay. if you want, you can let your lady listen to it, your friends, whatever. Word. Word. <laughs> whatever you're into. All right. But, uh, really sure. appreciate you giving your time, and thank you, everyone out there, to listening. Uh, wherever, whenever you're listening to this, we appreciate the support. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Tea Time Reports. Thank you very much, y'all. Take care.